Well, it's a joy to be back home this evening. Thank the Lord for the good preaching this morning that God's already allowed us to enjoy and to benefit from. Thank the Lord for both of the messages already. And I sure thank God for this privilege to be here. It sure is good to be saved. Amen. Good to be born again. Good to be on our way to heaven. And I pray that during these days that God would help us to remember there is a lost and a dying world that knows nothing about what we're shouting about and what we're praising God over and how we need, uh, how I personally need an increased burden uh, for the people group that God has called me to, but just about sinners in general, uh, the lost and the dying world all around us. And um, I pray that God will do that in these days and encourage our hearts and uh, help us to have a greater vision uh, and have a greater burden for a lost and a dying world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer real quickly this evening, and we'll do our best to give you uh, the message that God has placed on our heart. Father, in Jesus' name, I do thank you, God, for how you've blessed, Lord, already in the singing tonight. And, Lord, I don't deserve the privilege, uh, God, to stand behind this sacred desk and to preach the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, Lord, you know the burden, God, that you placed on my heart tonight. And, uh, Father, I pray, God, that you would help me, God, to be obedient, God, and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you, God, to wash me thoroughly and forgive me, Lord, where I failed you, Lord, since we last spoke. And, God, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, not to be guilty, Lord, in any way of trying to preach, Lord, in my own wisdom, Lord, for that would be a truly a miserable failure. But, Father, I pray that you'd help me to preach tonight uh, in the demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray this evening, Lord, that you'd guide my steps in your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd bring, Father, to remembrance, Lord, the things, Lord, that you put in my heart. And, God, you know, Lord, my insufficiency. God, I need your touch. And, Lord, I trust you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 tonight. And um, many of you, I would say that the majority of us this evening are uh, very familiar with this passage of Scripture um, in the beginning of, of chapter 13, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Christ is giving the parable of the sower of the seed and uh, how that the sower went forth to sow. And last year, God allowed us to hear a tremendous message out of this passage uh, of the Word of God and what a, a great passage it is to preach out of as far as a missions meeting is concerned about the need for sowers to go out, for the seed of the Gospel to be sown. And, uh, you know, there'll never be a germination until someone goes, until someone takes the gospel and begins to sow that seed. And God challenged our heart last year uh, in the midst of that parable. We're going to pick up reading, though, uh, tonight with the Lord's help in verse 15 of uh, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15. As, as Christ gives that parable, he comes to the end of the parable, and before he gives uh, basically the explanation of what the parable means, uh, you know, there were some parables where Christ did not give an explanation, and we're still arguing about it today. But I'm glad the Lord gave the explanation. He made it real clear. We don't have to have a whole lot of debate about what the Lord was really meaning. He made it clear the seeds of the Word of God. He made it clear who the, who the fowls of the air were. He made it clear what the thorns and the, the thistles and the dry ground and all of that was. And so we understand uh, just clearly the message that God uh, was making concerning the gospel going forth. But in, in between Christ giving this parable and then uh, the Lord giving the explanation, the disciples come to the Lord Jesus.
Jesus and they ask him uh, this question in verse 10 and in verse 11 the disciples came and said to him why speakest thou unto them in parables and so we're going to pick up reading here with God's help in verse 15 and um, it'll just be uh, three verses of scripture tonight if you want to stand reverence the reading of the word of God uh, that would be wonderful uh, verse 15 here God is giving the disciples the answer to this question why he is speaking uh, to the people and to the nation of Israel and of course we know it was prophesied that he would do that uh, but God allowed these verses of scripture just to stand out into my heart over these past couple days and I pray that God will help and challenge us as we look at Christ's answer to why he was speaking to them in parables we're jumping right here in the middle of this text and so uh, you bear with us and we'll do our best to give you what God has placed on our heart the Lord Jesus talking about the nation of Israel in verse 15 he said for this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them but blessed are your eyes for they see and for your ears for they hear for verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them. And to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth the way that which is sown in his heart. And Christ goes on in the remaining verses of this chapter to explain that parable. We're not preaching about the parable. We're preaching about this verse of Scripture here in the midst of this chapter. You can be seated tonight with the Lord's help. In verse 15, as Christ is giving uh, this explanation, this answer to the question about why He's speaking to them, the Lord Jesus makes um, uh, an amazing statement as He uh, explains to the disciples the spiritual condition of the nation of Israel. In the context, of Israel and in the day that the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was taking place in, God makes it so very clear that the people's heart, the nation of Israel's heart, He said the people's heart is waxed gross. The people's heart is waxed gross. Now, do a little bit of digging into what that means to wax gross. and It really means to become fat. It means to uh, become calloused. And the nation of Israel's heart had become calloused. They'd become calloused to the things of God. Uh, they'd become calloused to the Word of God. And, uh, and when Christ comes on the scene and begins to work His miracles and begins His earthly ministry, uh, the heart of the nation of Israel had gotten so calloused and so hard and so cold uh, that it was just like that dry ground that the sower was trying to sow that seed on. And in the context of this scripture, we know Israel's heart indeed was cold and was calloused. Their heart, dear friend, had waxed so calloused against the things of God that as their Savior, as the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, is standing there speaking parables, they're going completely over their head. Their heart had already waxed so gross against God that they couldn't even understand they could not hear the words of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible said that their ears were dull of hearing. They had lost any uh, spiritual perception. They had lost any spiritual hearing. And their ears were dull of hearing. And because of that, God said, their eyes, they have closed. Their eyes, they have closed. Literally, can you see the nation of Israel standing there and saying something like this? I just can't see the Messiah. Uh, who is he? Lord, who is he? <laughs> Who's the Messiah? I mean, we know that the, well, we just we can't really tell who he is. 
And Christ is standing right there on the steps of the temple preaching in the Gospel of John. And all they can do is ask questions. If they just opened their eyes, they could have seen who He was. But because of the, the callousness of their heart, because of their lack of hearing of God's Word, they purposely had turned their eyes and closed their eyes. And therefore they could not see their Messiah. We notice that they were the ones and their eyes, they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. They should understand with their hearts. and should be converted. God said, I would heal them. In the midst of the Lord Jesus giving uh, basically this overview of the spiritual condition of Israel, Christ begins to instruct the disciples here. And we're going somewhere, just bear with us briefly in verse 17 though. Uh, the Lord Jesus said, Verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them. And to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. What the Lord Jesus is saying is, you know, blessed are ye, talking to the disciples, He said, you do hear and you do see. And He said, there's been a whole bunch of generations before you that wish they could have seen the things that you see. They couldn't. There's been a whole lot of prophets that went before you and they wish they could have heard the words that you're hearing and they couldn't hear those words. Fellas, listen, you're, you're a blessed group of people tonight. Uh, men, God has given you something very special that even the prophets before you did not have. Can you imagine Micah? Oh, how he would have loved to see that mighty counselor born in Bethlehem. He prophesied of it, but he didn't see it. Dear friend, he prophesied, but how he would have loved to see that star in Bethlehem. And he which is born king of the Jews ought to come to that lowly manger. And how he would have loved to, how Isaiah, oh my, would have loved to see that one in the wilderness. Preparing the way and saying, make straight the path of the Lord. Oh, how Isaiah would have loved to see the righteous servant who would bear his iniquities, who would be wounded for his transgression. I tell you, David, the psalmist, oh, he would have loved to see the one who he went on to say they pierced his hands and his feet. Oh my, and Dear friend, God let them prophesy about it, but Jesus said, fellas, you're getting to see it. I mean, you're living in that generation. This is a, fellas, you don't even understand how great a day you are living in. They can't see it. They purposely close their eyes. They purposely harden their heart. Their ears are dull here, but fellas, you can hear. You can see. And there's been a whole lot of prophets who wish they could have seen the things you see. They haven't been able to see it. And that's the context of this passage of Scripture tonight. You know, Israel had reached a pinnacle from Old Testament prophecy. Israel had, had really had reached the height of everything that through the ages God had been bringing about. Their moments from Calvary, chapters away from the crucifixion, and yet they're blinded, and yet they're deaf and they're dumb, and they cannot see what's going on. And yet they're at the greatest moment in their history. And the nation of Israel loses it all. They misses everything because of a callous and a cold and a rebellious heart. And we know the plan of God. We know that God's foreknowledge, He knew all of that would take place. But yet, can you imagine looking at it from a Jewish perspective tonight? Everything they missed simply because of their heart condition. Now, if God will help us for a couple minutes this evening, I believe God will have us to make an application to this text. And you pray with us that God will help us to do that. He said, Verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them. And to hear those things which ye hear, 
and have not heard them. I submit to you this evening, oh my, that there's been plenty of generations of Bible scholars and godly men of God and, and preachers and evangelists and missionaries and, and those that have gone on before us. Oh, they would have loved to see the things that God is allowing us to see today. You know, you look back and you begin to read through those 1800s, those uh, Baptist premillennial uh, godly writers, and, and all they could do was speculate about when the rebirth of the nation of Israel was going to happen. They had this thought and they had that thought. and There was a lot of people who thought it was never going to happen. And, and, and yet, can I tell you, they would love to see what transpired in 1948. But hey, we've seen that. The gener I mean, it meant some of us here tonight in our lifetime, oh, we've seen the rebirth of the nation of Israel. We've seen the regathering of God's earthly people begin to take place in the land. And there's been several generations back there, and they only thought about it. They only wrote books about it. They only hoped about it. Oh, my, they speculated on what the great falling away of those who claimed to believe in Christ would look like. I reading back of one of those fellows in the 1800s, he said, you know what? There's a possibility that this already happened in a completely different time and it's not going to happen today. I cannot see literally this writer made the statement in the 1800s I cannot see how we could fall away from the great firmness of Bible preaching in the land of America and in the land of England but yet dear friend we are seeing it today just exactly like God said it would happen. Oh my, there's been a lot of righteous men, a lot of prophets, a lot of preachers, a lot of men of old who have fought uh, and preached and, and had, a, had a great desire to see the days of the, of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking about Brother Allen. You couldn't hear him preach one message without him talking about the wonderful reality of the rapture. Being caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And he believed it was going to happen in his time. You think about it, Paul the Apostle believed that it was going to happen in his day. He said, I'm looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. I submit you, Paul wanted to see the things that we're seeing not because he wanted to see the destruction and the despondency and dear friend of the turning away from the truth but he was looking for that blessed hope and he lived every day in light of eternity. That generation dear friend, they didn't see the things we've seen and we are seeing today. We see the world stage set in a manner that has never been set before. Oh, I'm telling you friend, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh my, but Christ is coming and this world is getting ready to go into a time of terrible peril and distress and trouble known as Jacob's trouble. Dear friend, the generation before us, they would have loved to see these days. They didn't have half the things that we have. As far as monetary, wise speaking and as far as technology and as far as all of these uh, things that we have today, they didn't have that and yet they committed their lives to the cause of the Great Commission and they went anyway. Back before you could take a one-way flight from Atlanta, Georgia to Hong Kong, they were on a boat uh, for three months uh, traveling, trying to get into inland China, trying to give the gospel before they could get on a plane, uh, before they had uh, the, the modes of transportation that we enjoy and often take for granted a uh, Dear friend, we could drive down to the jail, down to the prison, down to the nursing home and it may take them multiple hours when it may take us 15 minutes and they would have loved to enjoy uh, these things, these, uh, these assets that God has given us for the promotion of the gospel. They didn't have none of that. And yet, dear friend, many of them turned the world upside down for the Lord. Dear friend, I believe with all my heart from an application standpoint 
Can you see of the, the message of God tonight? How that many have desired to see the things that ye see. The things that you and I are seeing right now. Oh my, if we could just grasp how close we really are to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It would change the way that we live. It changed the way that we give. It changed the way that we acted. It changed the way that we approach this great commission of going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. If we could just grasp how short time truly is. I'm telling you, I submit to you, God is allowing us to live in the greatest days of church history. But along with these great days that we're living in, just like the great days the disciples were in in this point in Scripture, I believe that there is an admonition from the Lord. And if God will help us, I want to look at just these three thoughts. Topic, the consequences of a calloused heart. You know, God said this people's heart, He said it's waxed gross. Now listen, dear friend, we're living in great days, but Israel was living in great days too and they completely missed it all. You know, we run the risk tonight of missing the greatest harvest that church history has ever written about or experienced because of the condition of our heart. Tonight, you and I, we run the risk of missing the greatest opportunities that the church has ever known simply because of the condition. That was Israel's problem. They had a hard heart. They had a cold heart. And dear friend, our heart could be the one and single reason why the gospel does not go forth in these latter days that we are living in. The consequences of a calloused heart. First off, we see the consequences of the people in their heart that had waxed gross. Now, I want to just say this, if God will help me. You say, Brother Samuel, I don't really understand exactly what you mean by a calloused heart. How do you get a calloused heart? How do you keep from getting a calloused heart? You know, a lot of times we say calluses are a good thing, and, and, and we ought to, there ought to be some calluses on your hand if you're a man. You ought to, you ought to be out there and do some, do some physical labor. And I tell you, if there's calluses in our, on our hands and calluses on our knees and our desire to fulfill the Great Commission, that's a good thing. God help us tonight that there wouldn't be a callous on our heart. There's some things that do need calluses, but our heart is not one of them. I must admit to you this evening that, that a calloused heart, and listen, I'm preaching, I'm preaching to Samuel free tonight. As I read through this passage of scripture this afternoon, God began to burn into my soul areas that I've allowed my heart to become callous. You, I mean, you hear it preached day after day, week after week, and month after month, and, and, and missions meeting to missions meeting, how that we must reach the lost, and we must reach sinners before it's everlasting too late, and, and we take up our weekly missions offerings here at the church every Wednesday night, and sometimes it's easy to just simply grow cold and callous to the things of God, and I'm not saying that, that you are, but I'm telling you, dear friend, I have found myself in recent days, uh, God revealing to me some of the calluses that have been applied to my own heart. Heart, and I need God in a desperate way. Remove those calluses. I tell you how calluses become and how they take up root and, and how they become applied to our heart. I'd say that a callus begins to form every time, every action and act of disobedience to the Holy Spirit of God. That callus just becomes a little bit thicker. 
Every time we pass by a lost sinner dying and going to hell and, and we do as the Apostle Paul did not do, we shun to declare the whole counsel of God to that sinner on his way to hell. I believe that callous just gets a little bit thicker. Every time that a missionary presents a need and a burden and we sit back there and, and we run numbers in our mind and say, well, I have a little bit, but I had something I wanted to do with that money. I believe that callous maybe just begins to grow a little bit more. And dear friend, we find ourselves in a place. I found myself in a place to sit and hear some of the greatest preaching that's ever been preached by the grace of God and yet sit there unchanged, untouched. And dear friend, it's because of the calluses we have allowed to transpire and to build up upon our hearts. Oh, how we need God to break up our fallow ground tonight. How we need God to remove these cold calluses. How we need God to remove uh, this, these scales off of our heart. How we need God uh, to break our heart anew. God is not looking for a calloused heart. He is looking for a broken and a contrite spirit in this matter of reaching a lost and a dying world. And it's easy sometimes to crunch numbers and to quote Bible verses. It's easy sometimes to sing songs. But I tell you, dear friend, what you cannot manufacture, you cannot manufacture a broken spirit. You cannot manufacture tears of genuine sorrow over a lost and a dying world. You can't manufacture that. That's something that God does through that heart. David said, create in me. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. He said, Lord, we renew a right spirit within me. See, God had revealed to David his problem and David came to that place. He said, God, he said, if I'm going to have a right heart, you're going to have to do it. He said, God, if the coldness of my heart's going to be removed, you're going to have to do the work. He said, God, if I'm going to have a right spirit, Lord, you're going to have to do that as well. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. I wonder when's the last time that we went before the Lord and said, Lord, I know there's a lost and a dying world you've commissioned us to pray over. But Lord, my heart's so cold. My heart's so callous. If you don't break it, I'm not going to do any good praying over these sinners. Now listen, dear friend, there's some consequences to having a calloused heart. Oh, God help us tonight. First off, we see for this people's heart is wax gross. This people's heart is callous. This people's heart is fat. This people's heart, a dear friend, is so hard to the things of God. This people's heart is wax gross. I, I, I see this too. It was a process. It did not happen overnight. It waxed gross. It didn't instantly just become gross, but it waxed gross. There was 400 years of silence. God wasn't speaking to the nation of Israel. Brother Sasser go through and do a lot of that teaching on the rabbinical um, mindset and all of, the, all of the different writings that have transpired over the years. And, and Brother Sasser made this, this uh, statement earlier this year how that when God stopped speaking, the nation of Israel did. And the rabbis started speaking when God stopped speaking. They'd had a lot of speaking, it just wasn't from God. And then their heart had, had waxed so callous to God because of the traditions of men, because of all of these things. And it was a slow process. It didn't happen overnight. Uh, no doubt, dear friend, many of those Pharisees started out with a genuine desire to live for God, a genuine desire to do the will of God. But over those years, their heart began to wax cold on God. It waxed gross. And dear friend, it, uh, the, the heart of a church member, or the heart of a born-again believer doesn't instantly become cold to the things of God, but it's a process of disobedience. It's a process of rebellion. It's a process of faithlessness.
hopelessness. It's a process of forsaking the will, the revealed will of God in our hearts and in our lives. And God said this people's heart has waxed gross. And look at the first thing that it affected in their lives. He said in their ears are dull of hearing. The condition, the callous condition of their heart affected their hearing. I wonder tonight if my ears have been affected because of the callousness and coldness of my heart. I wonder if I, I wonder how many times I've failed personally to hear that Macedonian cry that the Apostle Paul heard. Only reason Paul ever heard that cry was because he was actively and wholeheartedly seeking God's direction. God would close one door, he'd try to go to the next place, and finally he just said, God, I need to know where you want me to go. And God let him hear that Macedonian cry. God let him hear that old lost man saying, come over and help us. I wonder how many times you and I have failed to hear a cry just like Paul heard of a lost sinner saying, come and help us, just simply because our heart had grown callous to the things of God. Their ears were affected immediately. God said they'd become dull of hearing. I wonder if we're dull of hearing the cry of the lost. I also, you know, I was thinking about this, and this verse of Scripture is mentioned often, especially in these meetings, but Isaiah chapter 6, God had brought Isaiah to the place. He said also in verse 8, He said, I heard. I wonder if our, I wonder if our ears have become dull because of the condition of our heart, not only hearing the cry of sinners, but the call of God. Isaiah said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then said, I hear my send me. Isaiah had a heart. God had brought him through that purification process. Earlier in the chapter, he humbled himself before God. Almost, almost immediately after he humbles himself before God and says, woe is me, God begins to let him hear the call of God on his life. And Isaiah would have went on a bitter prophet, mad at everyone, if God hadn't humbled him. Isaiah chapter 6 and showed him just how wretched he was. And as soon as God brought Isaiah to where he could see God's holiness and his unholiness, say, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. God brought Isaiah to that place of humility before the Lord. And immediately after that, he hears the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? But he could hear. God had cleansed his heart. Not only the consequences of a calloused heart will affect our hearing. It will affect our seeing. God said, and their eyes they have closed. And their eyes they have closed. Now for the people of God, sometimes our eyes are simply closed because we're in a spiritual condition of sleep and slumber. We've gone down to the sides of the ship like Jonah had. Sinners dying and going to hell all around us and falling fast asleep. We know we're not where God wants us to be, but can you imagine that? Old Jonah, the only man that had a message from God on that boat. Only man on the boat that had the Word of God. Only man on the entire ship that God was speaking to directly. And he was living a life of rebellion and slumber. Nineveh's only hope is traveling the other direction. Fast asleep. God said that the nation of Israel, that their eyes, they have closed. 
If you don't watch it, if we'll allow these calluses, the calluses of disobedience, calluses of rebellion, calluses of, of forsaking the will of God in our life, and calluses of, of living an unsurrendered life for God, it's just going to get worse, friend. It's not going to get better. It's going to wax worse and worse. We know evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. And can I say that not only that in the day we're living, but also the callousness on the people of God's heart is waxing worse and worse. It's going to affect our hearing. But it's going to affect our eyesight. You know, the Lord Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 4 as the Samaritans were coming out. They were so concerned about temporary things. And Christ looked at them and He said, lift up your eyes. He said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. A cold and callous heart can't see any fields around them because we've shut our eyes. We've gone to sleep on God. We can't hear the cry of millions of untold and unreached sinners because, dear friend, our ears are deaf. They're dull of hearing. We can't hear the call of God saying, Whom shall I send? We cannot hear the cry of the lost. And we cannot see the need of the harvest all around us simply because we've allowed callous upon callous upon callous and the Word of God is preached and we just don't even pay it any attention anymore. Oh, dear friend. You say, Brother Samuel, you've got to remember, you better get back to the context here. The context is Israel. I understand the context is Israel. But dear friend, Israel was God's earthly chosen people and they missed every bit of it. And if you're born again, you're part of the bride of Christ. And you could miss the same greatness of opportunity tonight simply because of following in the heart condition of the nation of Israel. God, help my heart tonight. It's going to affect our hearing, affect our eyes, affect our eyesight. We know where there is no vision. Proverbs chapter 29, God said, where there is no vision, the people perish. And a lot of times we, we can make that application in a lot of ways, but He said people perish where there is no vision. God's Word said where there is no vision, the people, the people perish. I believe we've got to have a plan. I'm so excited about what God's doing here at, at Bible and building projects and the ministries and the work among the Spanish and God supplying that bus and all of these blessings. And, and we could say, if, if we don't have a vision for this building project, but people don't perish because we don't have a building. People do perish. Whenever, dear friend, we lose vision of the lost dying and going to hell. Oh my. Where there is no vision. Where there is no vision, the nation of Israel had shut their eyes and they didn't have any vision and they ended up perishing with God. From our application standpoint tonight, where there is no vision, the people perish. God help us to be able to have a vision. God help us to look at the map and to take the challenge that God presented to our heart this morning in Sunday school. God help us to take that challenge tonight. Now lay that map before the Lord. And ask God to give us a vision, not just of country boundaries, not just of names of places, but people that are dying and going to hell. God, help us to drive down the streets of our city. God, help us to drive through Fort O and Rossville and Chickamauga. And God, help us not just to see run-down houses. God, help us to see sinners going to hell, lost without God, on their way to destruction. God, help us tonight to have vision. God, help us to get our heart right. Close their eyes. Christ told the disciples, lift up your eyes. Israel missed those greatest days. It missed the greatest days in their history.
Dear friend, consequences of a calloused heart for the people of God, we run the risk of missing the greatest harvest. There's more people, Brother Chris mentioned it already, there's more people alive on the face of planet earth tonight than there ever has been in any other generation. Consequences of a calloused heart, we can miss it all. We really could. Calloused heart in our giving, a calloused heart in our willingness to go, calloused heart in our sacrifice. And the pastor was preaching a missions conference we were just at last week. And he made the statement, he said, um, he said, in our church, he said, when we bring our Wednesday night missions offering. God's blessed this group of believers up there in East Tennessee, but he made this statement. He said, he said, when we bring our missions offering, he said, um, he said, there's a lot of different ways we could do it. He said, there's no wrong way to do it. He said, I don't even know when it started. He said, maybe over 20, 30 years ago. He said, but we begin looking at it as an offering to God and not just a commitment to a program. And he said, I challenge my people to take that missions offering, put it in that envelope. And he said, we end our, we end our Wednesday night prayer meeting every night with each family putting that missions, off, uh, missions offering in, inside of that envelope and taking it down to the altar of the church and, and physically presenting to God as an offering for the cause of worldwide missions. And he said, after we've all presented our offerings and laid them out on the, on the altar, he said, we gather around those offerings as a church and we ask God to bless those missionaries that God is letting us partner with. And I don't know exactly how all that works, dear friend, but I do know God hears and answers prayer. I know God's touched that dear group of people's heart. And, and you see, God can do things we can never imagine doing, but just a little group of people. And all those years ago, they begin to do that, and God's blessed that missions program. God's blessed our missions program here. I tell you, there's no telling, though, what God wants to do this week in our hearts. I wonder if we're willing to say, Lord, I, I don't want to be calloused. I don't want to be calloused about what you let me give last year, Lord. I don't want to be calloused about the need and those dying and going to hell. God, when these missionaries come in, help me, Lord, not to be calloused to their field. Help me not to be calloused. We can miss it all, dear friend, in this matter of going into all the world, reaching our Jerusalem, reaching our Samaria, reaching the uttermost parts of the earth. The prayer in our heart tonight truly ought to be, Lord, please, for the gospel's sake, will you break up my fallow ground? Lord, for the gospel's sake, for the Great Commission's sake, Lord, will you help me not to go on in life with coldness towards you? What a heartbreaking reality it's going to be one day. They are going to say the harvest has passed. The summer's ended. And we're not saved. And it's all because the people of God had a hard heart. Oh, truly, for God to do an eternal work, I need God to speak to my heart tonight. I want God to speak to my heart in the preaching this week. Dear friend, I've got to take myself before the Lord and say, Lord, please, Please break up the fallow ground in my heart. Help me, dear Lord, to have a heart of clay and not a heart of a hard, avid stone. And God will do that tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank You, Lord, for the privilege to preach. And I pray, God, that You would do a work only You can do for Your glory. In Jesus' name.